Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Father, we just thank you for this day and that we thank you, Lord, that Sunday is coming, that resurrection and hope is coming, Father. And we just pray for every situation this morning in this church, every relationship, Father. We just pray around your word, Father, that there is more happening in a spirit world, Father, than we can see, Father, that your word, Father, is accomplishing things in people's lives that we're not even aware that there's angels, Father. The heavens are open. In Jesus' name, we come against powers that would come against individual lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, welcome. We love new people. First time here, really blessed to have you. It's great that you're here in church and um, hope you enjoy our Good Friday service. I've been told this morning's message, the end is sometimes just the beginning. And that's the Easter story. The end is actually just the beginning. And maybe you've gone through something recently. Maybe you've come to the end of a season. Maybe there's been an end of a business opportunity. Maybe you've had a bankruptcy. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe some kind of season where you've had a loss of, of, of a loved one or whatever it might be, you know, we come to our end. Maybe you're just at the end of yourself and it's an end of a season and And we can think and feel the hopelessness when a season comes to an end, can't we? There's that sense of loss and and it can be a crippling feeling emotionally when we come to an end of a season. But the Bible teaches us that the end isn't the end. The end is actually a new beginning. Even the point of death is simply an end of this human life and then a new life starts as an internal being. So the end is never the end. And if we could put up the scripture, John 12, 24. And these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, beautiful. See, I didn't trust, did I? I had to look to make sure that there's, forgive me for my lack of trust in the back. Sorry, sound people. Okay. Oh yeah, my wife will be here next weekend. Okay. So I am married. She'll be here next weekend. Truly, truly, this is Jesus. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. That's basically the picture of Easter, Good Friday. Jesus, the seed, died into the ground. That new fruit would come, that there'd be new life, Father, for all eternity. And sometimes life, as we know it, needs to come to an end for a new beginning. Sometimes we have to. You know, when you really want and desire something and you want it to happen, it's almost like we we have to get to a point where we're willing to just give it over. We're willing to surrender it onto God's altar and just hand it over to Him. And often when we hand it over to Him and crucify that thing that's in our life, then He resurrects it. See, the power is when we're giving it up and we allow Him to raise it from the dead. If He doesn't raise it from the dead, it's not meant to be. But if it's done by His resurrection power, not our own strength, then that's something that produces. That's something that's fruitful. That's something birthed of God. And that's the life of Jesus crucified on the Friday. And unless God raised him from the dead, he wouldn't live. It was a God raising him from the dead. We're going to look at the story of Sarah and Abraham. That's a story in the Bible in the Old Testament. And some of you may know the story. And this does relate to Easter very well. So just stay with me in this journey. And Abraham and Sarah, they're pretty wealthy. Abraham's a really affluent guy and Sarah, and they own like thousands of cattle. You know, he's a herdsman and he's like one of the richest guys in the region and 
He loved God and trusted God and, and his wife, Sarah, they had all these servants and like it was a whole community and he was like the head honcho, the chief, you know, the big guru. And he followed God and, and he had everything he wanted in this world, but he couldn't, they couldn't have children, no children. And so for them in their culture, there was no legacy for him. His name couldn't carry over. His wealth and his possessions were going to go to one of his servants, his, 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 his future, there was no future. And you can imagine if you were him, you'd think, what am I working hard for? What am I earning this money for? Why am I accumulating these properties? Why am I um, having nice cars? Why am I running this? What am I doing this for? Where's it going to go at the end? He wanted what all his life's work would be carried on by the next generation. Oh, thank you. Is that for me? No. Okay. This is Jesus. He's just saying good preaching, Robbie. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I take that. Um, and, and he's thinking, what is this all about? And his whole prayer was... God, we want a child. Give us a son to carry on our name. And, and in their culture, not to have children was a sign that God wasn't favouring you. It was a sign, not in reality, but in their perception, it was that the family was cursed or something. But yet he was prosperous in all these other areas, but he couldn't have kids. And, you know, I've had so many friends over the years and they, they wanted to have children and they couldn't. You know, it's so frustrating and, and just so discouraging and emotionally just traumatic. You know, I've seen the pain that they've gone through over the years. But so many of them over time, eventually they had children. Some through IVF. Some, I remember this one couple I met. And they were just so devastated for years and years. I just got this word one Sunday that I see like Samuel in the Bible. I see you're going to have a Samuel. That, and I went up to them privately because I didn't want to do it in front of the whole church. And just said, look, I just got this sense like Samuel that you're going to have a son. And that God's with you and this is going to happen. And... And I was out there on the waters because I'm thinking, you know, that's re- you know, like to give false hope is really, and you know, I was really torn to do it or not, but it was so clear. And I thought, if I don't, I'm being disobedient. So I said it to them. And you know, like 18 months later, they had a son. And now they've got another son. So, you know, God can do amazing things. And, and it's not always in our timing. And so Abraham and Sarah wanted this child. And, and I can imagine, you know, just, just, Oh, just the, the thought of doing that, but you've got everything you want, but the one thing you want. And in the Bible, there's this scenario where they live in tents, these people, because they're nomadic. And uh, in Genesis 15:5, it says this. I'm not even looking back because I have faith. It says, <laughs> and he brought him outside. This is God. So Abraham's in the tent at night. And God says, come outside. I want to show you something. And he said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. So this guy who for years and years and years and his wife couldn't have children, his prayer was to God that we'd have children. God says, hey, come out here, have a look. See all the stars in the sky. If you can number them, that's how many your descendants are going to be. Like Abraham only wanted a son. But God was going to give him a nations. Nations would come from Abraham. Kings were going to come from Abraham. But at that moment, how could you believe that when we can't even have one child? But see, when you're asking for something little, God's vision for your life is far bigger than you could ever imagine. And Abraham didn't go, yeah, right. He went, actually, I'm going to trust in you. He actually had a relationship with God where he went, if you said it, it's going to happen. I remember years ago, we're from the Gold Coast, if you don't know us. And um, we would go out to Stanthorpe, which is about four hours west. We're from kind of the city, but I actually like the country feel. So every holiday, we'd go to these cabins in Stanthorpe, and now and then they get snow flourish, and they've got all apple farms and orchards, and that was all foreign to me, and I loved it, and we'd go pick fruit. Anyway, we'd stay in these cabins, 
and build fires outside at night. But we'd come outside, and I remember one night coming out, and the stars out there were just, like, spectacular. And saying to my daughter, like, little, when she was really little, come out and just look up. And I just wanted to see her, her reaction. She came out and she just went, oh, whole face lit up at, at just the grandeur of, you know, when you're in the city, you don't see as many stars. But like Abraham, when you're out in the country and you look up, there's no city. It, the stars are even more stars than you can imagine. And it's just so spectacular how many stars he would have seen. It just would have been overwhelming. And, you know, this was kind of early in his life. And years later, still hasn't had children. Years. Like, when do you give up? Years. But God gave him a promise back here and looked at the stars because that was giving him a promise of hope. So even though they couldn't have children, he still had a hope in his heart that God said, I would. So it carried him through. When you get a word from God, that's why we read the Bible. Get a word from God will carry you through the disbelief and when it's not happening. And I can imagine, you know, we're talking decades, decades after this promise. I'm like, that's tough stuff, time. It's great when God makes the promise and nine months later you're pregnant. But years and years later, and, you know, I can imagine, and I'm putting a bit of natural kind of thinking into this, Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah gets to a point where, ladies, when you're not able to have children, you know, you get to that point in life and he can see it happening and I'm sure he was like, okay, we got to, you know, get busy at this time of sweet because, you know, this is the end of our season. You know what I mean? Like, we've got to really kind of, you know, ramp this up. So, okay, okay, Abraham, you know. But I can imagine in the natural, these things is what would go through your mind. And they did that season and no baby. And they, it was a point where she couldn't have children anymore. He couldn't have children. So it got to a point where they're 90 and 99. They lived longer back then, but it was still really old. It was impossible to have children. At that point, do you give up? Do you say, God, we missed it. God's dream didn't happen. He's a liar. You know, when, when do you, but Abraham chose to believe, despite my physical circumstances being impossible, despite that is an impossibility for a man and woman at this age to even have children, I will choose to believe that his word is true and that he will fulfill his promise over my life. Because that came out of a deep trust in God. It came not just out of just a belief in something that you've heard of. It came that Abraham actually had a personal friendship with the creator of the universe. And he trusted that he was more powerful than forces of nature. And then we get to a point where an angel came and visited Abraham and Sarah in their old age and said, this time next year, you're going to have a son. And they laughed. But they chose still to believe. Do you know if they did nothing, they would never have had that child? Just listen, like it sounds funny, but I am serious. If they had said, great, Jesus, God, thank you. In 12 months, Sarah's going to have a baby. They put no action to that faith. God's word would not have happened. So they actually had to put action to their faith. They actually had to engage in relationships that would cause children to come forth. Do you get what I'm saying? They could have just said, oh, thank you, Jesus, that's going to happen. It wouldn't have happened. What God said would not have happened unless Abraham put action and Sarah to their faith. We have to put actions to our faith to receive the promises of God. We have to partner with God and align what he said to what we physically do for God's fulfillment to happen in our life. Then this is what happens. And this is the part of the story that sometimes challenges us. It says in Genesis 22, 1 to 3, after these things, they had a child. Sorry, yeah, I've got to add this in. They had a child. Their only son, must be between 8 and 12, 
They loved him. They adored him. He was the most valuable thing they could have. He was, he was their hope of the future. Like, if, if it, not for him, he's got no legacy. All his possessions go to somebody else. And it says, after these things, God tested Abraham. He wasn't going to make him do it. He was testing his heart. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. So God's emphasizing the importance of his son. He said, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Ooh, on one of the mountains, which I'll tell you. It sounds like God's really harsh and this is crazy stuff. God wasn't going to make him. He was testing him. See, 4,000 years later, God was planning on sending his only son. He was planning on sending the one that he treasured and loved. And he was going to put him on an altar and crucify him. And he was going to raise him the third day. And he thought, is there a man on the earth who's prepared to lay his son down for me? Because I'm going to lay my son down for the whole of humanity. Is there a man on the earth? And Abraham was like, I'll do what you say. Can you imagine what's going through Abraham's mind? All his treasure, all his hope, the, the thing he loved the most, the, the, the son that they'd waited a whole lifetime for, the son that was a miracle, was impossible to have the promise that God had given them, was going to be taken away from them. Why would this be God? How, we can't have another child. This is it. There's no other options for us. Because Abraham believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead, even if he put him on the altar, that God had the power to raise him from the dead because God was going to fulfill the prophecy of the stars in the sky and it was going to be through Isaac. He knew it, so he didn't know how it was going to happen, but he trusted that God was able to do a miracle in whatever it was. As he gets his son, they take the wood up to the mountain. He ties his son on it and he gets his knife. He's about to, his son... And an angel comes and screams, stop. God knows that you're faithful. God knows you're obedient. Do not harm your son. And then Abraham looks and just to the side was a ram caught in the thickets, caught in the branches. And God had provided the sacrifice. See, God was teaching Abraham, it's not his works that make him right with God. It's not his flesh that he was willing to sacrifice. He was saying, your flesh, your son that's being sacrificed, is not the thing that appeases me and doesn't make you right with me. Only a sacrifice that God provides from heaven is worthy to redeem human race. And see, the, the ram in the thickets is a picture of Jesus. The ram in the thickets is a picture of Jesus. You think your good works and the things that you treasure make you right with God. The things that you lay down for God make you right with God. Your good works, your bad work, whatever. Nothing we could do can make us right with God. The only thing of great treasure is God's only begotten son that he laid down. That's the only thing worthy to make you right. It's only the thing that Jesus, the only thing that God provides that can redeem a human life. And Jesus is the ram in the thickets. Not our works. And that's the picture we have of Easter. The picture of a Good Friday is, is Jesus is that ram in the thickets. This is what this is about, that God provided the sacrifice. But then God was able to raise it from the dead, just as Abraham expected would happen for his son. Bible says, unless a seed dies and is planted into the ground, it cannot bear fruit. You know, out of... This is a short message today, guys, because we're going to do communion in a moment, okay? So out of seeming dar darkness and hopelessness, this is the Easter message. Out of seemingly darkness, out of the end of a season, when you're in the end of a season, you actually can't see the new season, can you? Like you're at the end of the season. 
But when we know that it's the end of a season, we've got to know that it's, there is a beginning. That's the hope. There's a new beginning. There's a new day. When that one door closes, another door opens. Out of your darkest hour can be the verge of your greatest victory. Out of your darkest hour can arise your greatest victory. When we lay down our agenda, we've all got our agendas. God's just going to die to the agenda. Die to your agenda. Put your agenda on my cross. Put it there and leave it. And let me raise up my agenda for your life. Let me raise up my agenda for this church. Let me raise up my agenda for Shepparton. Jesus died on Good Friday, so we get to celebrate the resurrection of a new day on the Sunday. See, we reflect on today because it gives us hope that Sunday's coming. The end of something in our life can sometimes be just the beginning of something new. We're going to share communion this morning and uh, the attendants are going to start to share that out. And let me just explain what, what communion is. And, and Good Friday is a good day to do communion because the night before Jesus was crucified, so basically last night, it was a beautiful full moon last night, which, you know, that's a part of Passover. And Easter is actually based on the moon, not about the dates. And so last night's full moon was so bright, it was like daytime outside, wasn't it? And as I looked at the moon, I, I was like, this is when Easter's supposed to be, when there's a full moon, when there's full light. It's about illumination. Easter's about illuminating minds and, and bringing light to the world. That's why it's Passover is done with the moons and Passover and Easter run together because Jesus died at Passover, the Jewish festival. And so the night before his death, the Bible said he was having a dinner party. Like we make it like a religious event. It was a dinner party. He was with his mates having lamb, which is the Passover, and bread and wine. They were reflecting on the Passover when the Israelites came out of Egypt. It was, it was a festive, reflective celebration kind of thing. And it says he took a bottle of wine, put it in. It doesn't say he took a bottle of wine. I'm saying he took a bottle of wine. Sorry, let me clarify that. And he put it in a glass. He probably had a big skin thing. You know, what do you call it? Sheepskin thing that they use. Anyway, I like to be detailed. And then he, he, he drank a, a sip of the wine and then he passed it around the table and all his friends, the disciples, all took a sip. And he said, you know, drink this. This is my blood that's going to be spilt for you. They didn't understand it, but what he was saying is, I'm the lamb and the, I'm the ram in the thickets. I'm, I'm that sacrifice that God provided for Abraham. That was a picture of, of telling people what was to come. And then he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and, and then he shared it around. They all broke it off. He says, that's my body that's going to be broken for you. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. So as we come around Good Friday, we're, we're coming around as a reflective day, thinking about that Jesus laid his life down as a seed that is planted into the ground, that new life would come. Because the Bible says if, if we believe that he is Lord, then we share in his resurrection. It says that he, he came out of the ground with an internal body, not just a flesh body, because the flesh body was buried in the ground like a seed, and a new body came out, one that couldn't die. And he says, just as I am, you will be one day if you believe in me. So I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to share this together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for sending the ram and the thickets, Father, sending Jesus. Just I thank you, Lord, in your perfect timing, Father, you have things for us. In your perfect timing, Abraham and Sarah had their child, Father. Not my timing, not your time, their, their, everyone else's timing, your timing. And I thank you, Lord, in your timing, you sent your son in the right time of humanity, in that right hour that he would lay his life down and he would raise again the third day. And we just remember that moment. We thank you for it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat and drink together, church. Um, as we hand those cups to the end of, of the row, if we could just stand, I'm just going to pray. As we stand, I want to pray of you as a church. Heavenly Father, just why don't you, if you feel comfortable, just put your hands out in front of you or, if, or just open your heart up. You know, when we pray, spiritual things happen. This is, not a, this is not just kind of like a physical thing we all turn up. This is spiritual. This is the gateway of heaven, the Bible says. When we come together, it says that I am in your midst. Jesus is in our midst. Spirits, angels are in our midst. This is a supernatural event. There's a third dimension we can't see. Heavenly Father, I just pray for every situation here today, every issue, every circumstance, Father, and even highlight things in our lives that we need to lay down at your cross, Father, that you would resurrect in your time. And when it's resurrected, it'll be resurrected with supernatural power, Father, and it will produce much, Father, that you would open doors over human lives, Father, people seeking direction, Father. I just pray that you would light, Father, your word be a lamp unto their feet, Father. And I just pray and I speak an oath in heaven over this church and I pray for blessing over every person here. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen just do one more prayer as we've got our eyes closed this is a private moment and we do this every week and I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to get everybody to repeat it with me and if you've never been to church before or this is the first time you've been to church in a long time or you just maybe maybe you've been here for six months and you've never really kind of made a dedication to Jesus I'm not getting anyone out the front I'm not putting your hands up we're not embarrassing anyone this is between you and God and I'm going to pray a prayer and I'll get you, everyone in this room is going to repeat it. The Bible says in Romans that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we confess it with our mouth, then we'll be saved. Saved indicates saved from something that's not good, whether it be circumstances in this life or whether it be eternity that we would go to heaven. But Jesus is the ram. How can you have that ram, a word called appropriated, a word that's attached to you? How can you, how can you have that 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 that? that sacrifice put a part of your life is by confessing that he is the ram that he is the lord and believe it in your heart the bible says that you will go from death into life and live for eternity let's pray jesus i ask you to forgive me of all of my sins i repent of my sins i ask for you to come live in my heart guide my life I surrender myself on your altar. Exchange my past for your amazing future. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's shout and clap for people today, church. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepparton.